This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome back to the Palin Finn Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Yakas for all your fine quality kayak fishing accessories. Go to yakgadgets.com. Pelican cases, coolers, and lighting. Go to Pelican.com. The 153 Bait Company for all your hard and soft bait needs. Go to the153angler.com. So join with me as together we dive into the tips and techniques that will help make us better anglers out on the water. Welcome back to the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment here on the Paddle and Fin Podcast. I am your host, Sean Lavery, and uh, I'd like to welcome everybody back for the second episode of the Noob Show for. Uh, this new year of 2022. I uh, hope everybody is having a good year so far. I uh, hope you maybe, you know, got out to fish a little bit. We had uh, some exceptionally warm weather in PA uh, over the New Year's weekend, so I, I did make it out to fish a little bit. Didn't have a ton of luck, but it was still nice to get out in the water. Um, I figured uh, I'd keep going with uh, the kind of theme that I've been uh, working on the last couple of episodes. We've been talking a lot about river fishing, you know, uh, we had Jeff Little on, and uh, in a lot of Jeff Little's videos, uh, he likes to, you know, go out with other people, and that led me to uh, reach out to tonight's guest. Um, I had been, uh, you know, talking with him before. Uh, he helped me out with some advice for a tournament that I fished not too long ago uh, that really helped me finish, uh, you know, probably my best tournament finish yet. So um, just uh, bring him on and pick his brain about all things river fishing. He's a fellow uh, Susky native, you know, he lives a little bit uh, further north than me, but not super far at all. So we fish a lot of the same water and I uh, can't wait to hear all his input. So without any further ado, I'd like to welcome Mr. Jake Harshman to the show. Welcome, how you doing? Jake. Good, hey, how are you? <laughs> well, um, again, uh, for the folks that aren't uh, as familiar with you, um, do you want to just let them know who you are, kind of where you're from, and um, we can go from there. All right. Well, um, my name is Jake Harshman. I, uh, I live in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I'm originally from the western side of the state out near Pittsburgh. Uh, go Steelers. Big Ben just played <laughs> his last game at Heinz Field. 
Um, but you know, I, I grew up fishing, um, with my grandparents or with my grandpa and my uncle and my dad. Um, we would go out on the boat and stuff like that, but, uh, we always fished for walleye and perch and, and honestly anything that bit really, but we were fishing for food. So, um, you know, that's how I grew up fishing. And, and I, I did a lot of wading in the river fishing for trout back home. Okay. But I didn't catch the bass bug, man, probably 2013, 2014, I caught the bass bug. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. I bought a kayak. I bought my first kayak and I started fishing. And and after that, man, it's just been a, a deep, deep hole of money and, and time spent. <laughs> I certainly understand how that goes, man. I'm surprised I'm still uh, uh, happily married at times. But, yeah. Yeah, happily is a strong word. <laughs> Uh, she she affords me a lot of grace. I'll just put it at that. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so was that in Pittsburgh that or that in that side of the state that you picked up bass fishing or was it no, not it was until here. you came over? Okay. Yeah, it was it was here. I think I think the first lake I ever fished was Marburg, out okay. of my kayak. Okay. Um, and and I went out and I don't think I caught a dang thing. Um, and then you know after that, but I mean I I enjoyed being on the water even if I wasn't fishing. I was I was enjoying the kayak aspect of it. But after that, it was like I got to do more of this. You know I gotta I gotta go here and I gotta try this Susquehanna River that everyone keeps talking about. And I fell in love with that. Um, I think that might be the only reason why I still live here, to be honest with you. <laughs> but well, I, I uh, actually grew up literally five minutes from the river and didn't start fishing until my thirties. So I feel like I wasted so much time. I'm like, I could be like, imagine if I would have started when I was younger, how much better I could be by now. But you know, hindsight's 2020, of course. So, um, and so what made you get into kayak fishing, just access to the water or, you know, um, I had, I, I was, I was battling some demons with my inner self and, and I, I played a lot of golf and that didn't help. Um, you know, golf made me more angry than it did happy, I, I think. <laughs> so after I picked up kayak fishing and really just fishing in general, I think I got a lot, I became a, a lot happier, um, Okay. you know, but you know, no, was, I, I do a lot with heroes on the water and that's a huge thing with them about how therapeutic, uh, you know, just kayaking and, and kayak fishing is, you know, it, it helps a ton of people deal with, you know, some really strong emotions and, you know, some tough times. So yeah, for sure. I can understand how, you know, that would be, that's kind of, kind of why I got into it as well. Although mine was more health reasons than anything else, but, uh, yeah. cool, man. So, um, so would you say the Susquehanna is your favorite place to fish or have you oh, fished yeah. other places? I mean, you it, I mean, so I would be hard pressed to not put Lake Seminole, Georgia or the Flint River in there. Okay. Um, because that's that's honestly where I've had my greatest accomplishment to date in kayak fishing was Lake Seminole in 2020. Um, being able to win that event and then go back this past year and take eighth place out of 175. The Flint River in that little piece of Georgia there has a special place in my heart. I, I love that down there, but um it's nothing nothing is like the susquehanna river i'm just going to ask that how does it compare i I mean mean, you know you'll hear people talk about the new river and you'll hear people talk about you know um the saint lawrence river and the big smallmouth up there and stuff like that but 
But when you get a four and a half, five pound smallmouth that lives in a foot and a half of water that jumps five feet in the air, there's nothing like it. There's absolutely nothing like it. The Susquehanna River is pound for pound one of the absolute best fisheries in the country. And the greatest thing about it, most bass boats won't go on it. Right. <laughs> so, Unless you have a jet boat, you're not getting to most of the places. But yeah. 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 So. Right. And, and some, you know, there's for the longest time, I totally took that for granted that I lived next door to, you know, one of the best places in the world to small, smallmouth fish, you know, and it wasn't until I started, you know, talking to people all over the country and kind of listening to their stories and the, you know, you know, some of their struggles that I realized, you know, what I actually have it, you know, in my backyard basically. And yeah, I'm definitely super thankful for it. So it took me, it took me a few months to, to develop the courage to go out and explore it on my own because, you know, it's big, you know, it's right. a mile wide in most places, you know, not having the paddling experience and really just the experience in general in a kayak, it took me a while. I was like, okay, well, let's just, let's just rip the bandaid off and go do it. And when I went and did it, it was November and I almost flipped and I was like, Oh God, <laughs> like that would yep. be terrible. Yeah. You know, it would, um, you know, it was, I had a pedal drive and, and, and it was locked down. And that was when I had the old town predator PDL and it got, you know, wedged up on a rock and I was, I was teetering doing that, doing that number down around Goldsboro area. And I was like, this is going to be bad if I go in, <laughs> like this, I'm, I'm probably going to die. Water temperature is like <laughs> right around high forties. I'm not going to last long. So, but I didn't have a dry suit then, you know, I was doing that nonsense, but yeah. And I, it, you know, but after that, man, that next summer, I, I really kind of devoted my time to learning the river and then I got hooked up with Jeff. And if any anybody that gets to fish with Jeff Little for any, any period of time, let alone the, the amount that I get to fish with him, they're going to learn stuff. <laughs> All you got to do is just sit back, watch, and listen. Because he's going to be talking about something, and you're going to be like, ding, ding, ding. That's what I've been missing. And he's just talking to himself, or he's just talking to talk, and – I mean, that's, that's the stuff that you don't see. Some of the stuff you don't see on his videos is that kind of stuff. And it's like an epiphany just happens and you're like, Oh God, I've been missing that for, for however long, you know? Right. But, right. We've been lucky enough to have him on twice. And I feel like, you know, even after we're done recording the show, I talk to him, you know, I pick his brain as much as I possibly can. I'm like, Oh man, sorry. I kept you for another 45 minutes, even after we're done recording. And, but he just loves to, share what he knows and yeah. you know he's so generous and gracious with that knowledge that you know he will just continue to talk and you know just spill his guts on everything and that was kind of actually what i liked about your videos as well too is that you're not shy at all about hey this is where i'm fishing this is what i'm using this is how i'm doing it and that has been super helpful to me uh you know because there isn't you know a lot of secrets there i mean i mean sure there's stuff you keep for yourself but uh, for the most part, you are, you know, just super upfront with the, everything that you're doing. You're like, hey, you know, this is everybody's river. You know, if you can come, you, come you to have these to be. You have yeah. to be. Like, you, you know, it, fishing is about teaching. It's about growing. It's about learning. People who fish are generally not selfish people. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, I've no. not met many selfish people on the water. Now I've met selfish people that have glitter boats and stuff like that, but you know, we, you know, that's, that's a little, little joke there, but um, <laughs> you know, it's, I, I love to fish and, and I want people to enjoy fishing. I want, I also want people and the biggest thing I want is people to respect the resource that we have. And this river is, is special. And if we keep it that way, it's going to be special for ages. Um, you know, what we can't have is we can't have the pollution and the damage to the waterways that we have. And we can't have the flathead problem. I encourage everybody to go out there and keep some flatheads because they're eating smallmouth, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I want people to fish. I mean, there's, there's a, there's a couple of places that I don't talk about in video and, <laughs> Um, you know, there's reasons for that, but you know, there very, very few things do I keep hidden. And right. I think a lot of that I got from Jeff. I took that, you know, that, that step from Jeff because he doesn't hide anything. As a matter of fact, I, I know that Jeff and <laughs> last year, right before the Hobie BOS, um, Jeff had put out a video of the pattern on the river and, and, and I know I called him and a couple other people called him and like, yo. Well, what like what, what are you doing you know it's like we got a we got a pretty big tournament getting ready to happen but right you know that's what jeff does and and i respect that like he he teaches so but you know it's 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 fun man i love fishing I yeah love that's all there is to it i think uh you know this is the perfect place then because you know i there's pretty much nothing i love more than fishing and I can talk fishing with anybody and I, you know, I, I clam up socially a lot, but fishing is one of the few things that I feel like I can, if you, you know, I can find somebody and that's the common topic. I feel like uh, I'm a totally different person. So, yeah. Cool. Agree. So, uh, well, while I have you on here, I might as well, you know, pick your brain as much as I can about uh, river fishing. You know, I, um, you know, there's a, a, a lot of stuff to learn. Um, but, you know, what if you what would you say if you were, uh, you know, giving advice to a beginning fisherman like the someone who's first laid eyes on the Susky? You know, where do you tell them to start? What, what are they what are they looking for? You know, what kind of baits would you start with? So um, I'll highlight about six baits and what and what I'm going to I'm going to kind of go by season. In, in that early part of, well, in the early part of the season, we're talking like, you know, March, April, uh, when the water's still cold. Um, you know, I, I, I like to mix it up between basically like a Ned rig, a jerk bait, and a spinner bait. I love a spinner bait in the springtime. Um, but, you know, that, that Ned rig, I feel like I get bit the best in that early spring, uh, if you put it into, a, you know, a pre-spawn area or a spawning area where there's going to be fish, you know, staging and stuff like that, right outsides, um, you know, around the creek mouths and stuff like that, you find a current break and you throw a Ned rig in there, um, you know, they're generally, they want to eat it. And, and that's kind of like my, that's my go-to bait at that time of year. And that's what I'll, that's what I'll start with. Um, Something, you know, crawfish profile, basically. Whenever I'm talking about a Ned Rig, I'm talking about a little crawfish profile. Um, but that spinner bait bite, as soon as as soon as that water temperature gets at around that 50 degree mark, 
man, I keep a spinnerbait in my hand until it's time for top water. Like that spinnerbait bite, a Susquehanna smallmouth will do some dirty, nasty things to a spinnerbait. They don't care. Like they, they just want it to die. And, you know, there's a couple really good ones that are made here locally that, um, Snaggler Tackle Company, Sick Custom Baits, they make some some really solid uh, local spinnerbait colors that uh, do really well on the river here. Um, and that's kind of what, you know, that's that, that will normally go into that post-spawn. They kind of get into a funk around that early to, you know, well, really the month of June. They kind of, it's tough. It's tough to catch them, you know, mm-hmm. like they, they don't want to, they don't really want to expend a lot of energy. They just want to recover. You know, if you can find a pile of post-spawn females, you you know, you get them. That's about the only time that they're long and skinny and they just look beat up and like they're near death. Um, I don't like to mess with them, though, that that much. Um, honestly, like that time, that, that post-spawn time, I really try to stay away from the river just because I want those fish to recover. Um so, you know, I kind of go from like that spinnerbait bite in the springtime and then I jump into that summertime. Summertime's a toss up because I know a lot of guys love a jackhammer and the jackhammer works fantastic in the river. Um, there's there's like two colors that I throw in the river. There's green pumpkin and then there's golden shiner. Um, those two colors I, I, you know, do really well with. But the spinnerbait bite's still there, but... I think what I have more success on that, you know, early part of the summer is a very shallow diving crankbait when they're they're they'll eat top water, but a lot of times they swipe at it and they just kind of swat at it to, to make it, you know, go away. And you end up, you know, catching a lot of them on the outside of the mouth. If you, if you switch that up to just like a subsurface crankbait like that, uh, the one I, the one I'm, impartial to is the Rapala DT fat three. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'll throw it in real shallow water. I'll throw it in less than a foot of water, but um, I just run that thing. And, and I tend to have a lot of success on that early in that, you know, that right after that post spawn timeframe um, when the summer heat sets in, dude, it's a top water. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, you, you take a whopper plopper or or a spook or something or any kind of walking bait or any bait that just you know makes noise on the surface and you run that down a current seam and I mean you can you can basically call your shots out here with with it you know um, I fell in love with the Rico popper this year uh, and I, I was yeah. amazed and you know certain times of night like if I happen to be fishing right when the sun kind of got down below the horizon for whatever reason. It was almost every cast. Uh, yeah, it was just amazing and huge fish. Like the cicadas helped out with that this year. Yes, yes, and the mayfly hatch of, all, yeah. of course is always you know a yep. good time for that too. I mean, me, if you like, can stand it, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind it. Like I'll go, I'll I'll go out and fish until dark. Especially you know where I. I mean, I I love to fish at City Island anyway because it's like ten minutes from my house. But I like to go down there and fish around the lights at nighttime the lights on the bridge piers. Yep. Um, it's, it's wild because, you know, it, the fish are just, they just, they really go off on top water. And, and a lot of times like the morning bites, not that great. 
in the morning time, you know, right. like early, early morning. Mm-hmm. That's because they gorge themselves on mayflies all night long, you know? So it's like, you have to kind of, you have to really, I don't know, like they'll still eat. They'll always eat. But you know, that top water bite in the summertime is, is something special. And, and that'll go all the way into the fall. Uh, the fall is fantastic top water. And you know, when, it, whenever it gets to the fall time, I normally throw like a Whopper Plopper 130. Okay. So it's a little bigger. Of the Whopper yeah. Plopper. I yeah. want, because at that point in time, I'm, I'm not interested in catching a 15 inch fish. When, when October rolls around, I don't care about a 15 inch fish. I've probably caught a lot of those already out of the river. Mm-hmm. So what I'm looking for is that, you know, big old grandma with the fat belly feeding up for the winter and, you know, that they those bigger fish will will they'll they'll do something special with a 130 same way with the, like a six inch bull shad um that's another good fall time bait that i love to fish um and people are like you're throwing a six inch bull shad for smallmouth and i'm like these are susquehanna smallmouth. <laughs> like, you don't <laughs> there's no limit as to what they'll try to eat they, they'll eat the biggest fish they can fit in their mouth um and they do uh, a you know a, a big you know, big smallmouth trophy class fish will will definitely do some, you know, damage on a on a six inch bullshad. But again, that that plopper one thirty, it has a it has a another thing too is most people don't throw that. So by the by the time fall comes, you know, you, you're producing a different sound and a different profile than what they've seen all year. A lot of people go out and throw the ninety because they think smallmouth, small mouths, um, and you know, they'll throw the 90 all, you know, all, all summer long. I hardly ever throw a 90. I don't think I even have any nineties that I take with me. Um, I, that's a lie there. I have one 90 it's called Pac-Man and that's because <laughs> I don't think they make it in a one thirty. Um, but the one, you know, or the one ten. the one ten is really my go-to. Okay. A typical size for the Whopper Popper. Um, and for like a walking bait or a spook type bait, it's something, you know, five inches normally is what I try to go with. Uh, an evergreen shower blow is really good. Um, but, you know, the, the jackhammer, of course, will work basically from 45 degrees to 45 degrees. Uh, you can catch them all year long on it. But in the wintertime, when, when that water gets, you know, down into the 40s, uh, I generally try to throw something that moves a lot less and that I don't care if it gets hung up. I mean, sure, I could bounce a jackhammer across the bottom, but I'm really not trying to lose a bunch of $15 jackhammers. Right. Um, but do you, you use, know, uh, do you switch up your trailers on those or you kind of stick to one trailer or no trailer or what, what's your thoughts on that? <sighs> jackhammer trailers is a, it's a, it's mostly a Yamamoto Zeko. Okay. Yeah, almost always a Yamamoto Zeko. I've tried the Z-Man imitation of the Zeko. I think it's called the Razor Shad. Mm-hmm. I personally do not feel like it gets the same action. It doesn't have the same same kick and, and everything else like that. Um, the Zeko is is my is my jackhammer trailer. Um, you know, if if I want to make it bigger. I'll put a, you know, I'll put a bigger swim bait on there, but I like to try to keep it to something that doesn't have a paddle tail. I don't like the paddle tail trailer because 
I feel that it takes away, it takes my feel away from the bait. Whenever I'm, when I'm reeling that bait through the water, I like to feel that blade moving back and forth. Um, if I got a paddle tail on there, I don't always feel that. Sometimes you'll feel the paddle tail kick, but you know, I just feel like it takes away from the the action of the blade a little bit. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, you know, the, the winter time, once the winter time sets in, man, it's back to the, it's back to a Ned rig or, or a hair jig. Um, the hair jig right now is, is the bait. That's about, I mean, it's not, I'm not going to say it's all you're going to catch them on, but that's what most people are using right now is a hair jig or a blade bait. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the jerk bait obviously works in the, the, you know, that 40 degree range. I'm not a good jerk bait fisherman. I don't I'm do not either. <laughs> um, Jeff has pulled his hair out trying to teach me how to fish a jerk bait in the river and, <laughs> And, you know, I, I'll get lucky every once in a while and catch one on it, but it's not my first choice. But, you know, it's that what you're looking for in that wintertime is that passive action, something that, that's not moving, sitting still, but still moving. And that's why that hair jig works really well, because you can sit that hair jig on a bottom and the hair is moving, but the jig itself is staying put. And, you know, to the fish, they'll, they'll sit there and look at it for a few minutes and be like, okay, well, I guess, I guess I'm going to eat it. And then they finally eat it. And, you know, that's, man, that's, then it just repeats all over again. It's a cycle. You know what I mean? Yep. But. No, that was one of the, the, the things we actually talked to Jeff at and um, uh, John Tostos, you know him, uh, Fish mm-hmm. Hacker. Uh, we, yep. we talked to him about uh, hair jigs as well. Um, definitely something that I'm just starting to scratch the surface with of learning, you know, to be patient enough to use one of them effectively. Um, cause, uh, there's, I, I went from, you know, running and gunning, you know, I fell in love with the lipless crankbait this year, uh, in the fall. Cause I really was doing well with that, uh, over top of the grass and stuff, uh, kind of ripping it through the grass. But then as soon as that bite do- died off, I kind of, you know, got lost until I, you know, started playing around with the hair jigs a little bit and then started to pick things back up. Yeah. I mean, I, so I'm not partial to any one brand of hair jigs. Um, honestly, most of the hair jigs that I throw, somebody normally tied them and they've given them to me. Um, mm-hmm. but I have, I do have a few Hollywood hair jigs that I like. And the reason why I like Hollywood hair jigs is just because they, you know, they're local, and they, they try to match the hatch, you know, they try to make that color, the, those colors match, you know, what, what those guys are catching or have caught in the river for years. So, you know, whenever, when our crayfish start turning to a certain color, um, you know, whatever time of year that is, they try to match that. And, and that's, you know, that's really what I try to try to get in that point in time. Um, but any hair jig will work, you know, as long as it's some sort of hair that's going to move and, and, you know, if you can find a a good hair jig with a a weed guard to keep it from getting snagged, you're going to save yourself a lot of uh, patience. You're, you know, you're going to be like, I I was going to say, I tend to go through hair jigs a little faster than some things, even Ned rigs. I've, you know, started to get a little bit better, but I usually with Ned rigs, I can uh, rig them kind of, uh texas hook them kind of you know so that it doesn't get hung up quite as much but so the 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 only way i throw a ned rig now is on an owner blockhead which is an ewg hook Mm -hmm. and it basically makes it 
makes it weedless. I don't I don't throw any exposed hook Ned rigs anymore. I just lost too many of them. No, I, I I've definitely many. done that too. Until I started rigging it that way, and yeah. um, I you know I had heard about the blockhead as well. I just haven't picked any of them up yet. It's, I'm kind of burning through my stash of yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, I'm thinking locally. I'm trying to think locally who has them. I know Susquehanna Fishing Tackle has them here locally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe Hoghead Bait and Tackle outside of Pinchot has them as well. But, you know, anywhere you can go online and find the blockhead, um, you know, it's it it's worth its weight. You know, whatever, whatever you whatever you pay for them. That <laughs> I mean that honestly, it's it's the absolute best Ned Rig bait, in my opinion, that's on the market. Super sharp hook doesn't get snagged up easy with the, you know, the block style head, um, you know, the line tie angle is right. Everything is done right on that bait. Um, I do know that Z-Man came out with one that's similar this year. Mm-hmm. Um, their hook shank is, is not as long as the block head is. Okay. Uh, obviously you can get different sizes, but, but I feel like the the Z Man I think are I think they're all basically one size hook, and they're just they're a little bit shorter, which could be good or bad in some instances. But you know I, I have a hard time switching from the blockhead because I I like it so much. So you know I always have uh you know a little box of blockheads and some Ned rigs on there because they they'll work all year long. But I was going to say, I know you mentioned um, that you mostly do crawl profile with your Neds. Uh, is that, that is pretty much all you're wrong? You well, do- so the Ned rig, in my opinion, is a crawfish profile. Okay. It doesn't matter if you make it a, a, a TRD or if you use a TRD crawl or. Okay. That's what I was going to ask. You, yeah, yeah. You're still, you're, I mean, you could maybe get away with saying, okay, well, this is designed to look like a bait fish, but not the way I fish it. You know, the way I fish a Ned rig is on the bottom. I, I don't normally reel the Ned rig through the water. If I'm going to do that, I'm going to throw something different, like a little swim bait or something like that. But, um, you know, the, whenever I'm fishing a Ned rig, I'm trying to look like a crawfish. So that's kind of what I mean in in, in that in those terms. Gotcha. Um, and this sets the same way with the crankbait, too. When I'm throwing that shallow diving crankbait, they always look like crawfish. So you're cranking that pretty slow then, or no, no? pretty fast. Okay, no, um, a lot of times I'm a lot of times I burn it. Okay, um, you know that shallow diving crankbait, I'll I'll, I'll burn it because it's more like know, a scurrying crayfish then I guess is what you're. Shooting. Yeah, it, you know it's the weather's warm, the water temperature is getting warmer. You know if you go out there in the river and you look like you see crayfish just scattering everywhere. You know, you 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 step into water and bzz, 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 like crayfish is going everywhere, and that's kind of what I what I like to look like at that time of the year. That you know, right after June, you know, most most of July this year, I threw a, a I probably went through four or five of them, and not because I was losing them, because I was literally I was breaking them, wearing them out. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there I have I have two or three of them that are are so gouged up on the side cuz they're a balsa wood, you know. Yep, they're yep. so gouged up on the side like they don't even run right anymore. Um one of them I broke the bills off and uh god there was another one I think the I think I jammed it up against a rock and and it and it broke the bill off and I brought just the bill back but <laughs> you know 
but that that bait is it just it works you know that that dt fat three is i'm not going to talk about the color uh, i'm not going to do that but the dt fat three if you can figure out whatever color that looks like a crawfish you'll figure <laughs> it out but i'm not talking about the specific color no worries no worries you know I, I people would be I, upset with me if i did that <laughs> I, uh, we, we just had Matt Gibson on not too long ago and he's a big balsa bait guy. And, uh, he kind of got me started with that actually hooked me up with a couple of, uh, very shallow diving crankbaits. So I'm really looking forward to trying out. I kind of got them a little late in the season this year to use them, but, uh, I'm super looking forward to them next year. So a baby coming. one minus too. Um, and when you're fishing shallow water, that man's baby mine, baby one minus, like I'm talking like a foot and a half rapids casting that bad boy up there and bringing it down through some rapids that that that's another one that looks really good that works really well that was an expensive lesson for me to learn too to not use uh you know a kvd 1.5 in those shallow one foot rapids because i <laughs> lost quite a few of them you think oh i can just go get that back but sometimes when you're sitting in that one one foot current full of rocks it's not the easiest yeah. thing to get out it was funny. Like, it's funny that you mentioned the 1.5. I had a, I, it wasn't this this year, but it was the year before. We had some high water, and I went way up in the Conda to win it, like way, way up. And I was I was throwing a 1.5 in just like a red craw pattern. It was a springtime, dude. I wore them out. Like. I, I I ruined two sets of, of treble hooks on fish that day. I, I probably caught, I would say, 40 smallmouth, and I was up there for like six hours. Dude, I mean, I was just wearing them out. That's One, awesome. it was like every cast. It, it mean, boom, 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 boom. And they were just destroying it. And, man, that's it It has its place. It's, it's a good bait. But, yeah, maybe not in less than a foot of water. That's a, <laughs> <laughs> that bill will get down in there and just dig. Oh, yeah. But, and that, you, you know, you talk about wearing out baits and my, my poor Rico popper from last year, you know, luckily that's one you can get back almost all the time because it floats. But um, by the end of the year, uh, it started out like silver on the top with the chartreuse belly. And by the end of the year, it was completely dull silver, missing an eye. Uh, <laughs> one of the barbs on the hooks was broken off, you know, but it was still catching fish left and right. So I those think Rico I re- hooks, those, those hooks that come stock on the Rico are sharp. Yes, dude, they're they're nothing to mess with. Those those Rico hooks, are, I don't know what hooks they use, but whatever hooks they use, those things are sharp. So I, I retired that one at the end of the season just because it had such an amazing season. It's hanging on my wall uh, up in the garage as a trophy because I can't even count how many fish I caught on it. But, yeah, um, you know, it, it was just, you know, amazing. So Jeff and I went out. um early early in the summer and we took uh it was right around you know the cicada you know show up whenever they arrived and we went out with smaller top waters like that um i don't think either one of us attempted to throw a popper because we were we were moving a little bit too fast for the popper to you know to work it um but we were throwing that 90 and 75 whopper plopper dude we had a day like we had, we, we, both of us together, I think each of us had 90, 92, 93 inches. Um, like we had a day, I mean, and it was, you know, it was, man, it was a blast. Like it was top water all day long from the time we started to the time it ended. 
That's awesome. All day long. It's small, you know, those small topwaters just around all them cicadas and stuff. And, and you know, I, I kind of feel like the topwater bite this year was was good earlier than than normal. Like, it'll be good, but this year was just kind of seemed better because of the cicadas. Right. No, I, that definitely made a difference. I, so. I was luckily enough to, lucky enough to fish both the cicada hatch and the mayfly hatch, a couple of different mayfly hatches, actually. And yeah, uh, both times were just absolutely lights out on top. So, yeah, that's what they do, man. Then bugs start <laughs> flying across. They, they, you know, they start eating that them top waters really good. But um, if you, you know, another thing, too, if you. So, if you ever have you ever caught any fish in the Susquehanna that have like gouges out of the top of their back? Uh, I've seen it, pictures of it before. I don't think I've ever personally caught one, but so when when I start catching them like that, that's kind of whenever I know that they're looking for top water because that basically means they're in super shallow water, or that means that they're up near the surface because what's happening is the birds are coming down to try to get them. Gotcha. The birds of prey are coming down to try to get, you know, pick them up with the top of their backs. And you'll see it. You'll catch a bunch of small, you know, smaller fish that have, you know, marks on the top of their back. And and then you'll find a big one that just has like a gouge in it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what the hell is happening to these fish? But it's they're they're up in the water column or they're in real shallow water. Right. And, you know, if they're in real shallow water and you bring a top water over their head, they almost have no option but to eat it their natural instincts are like you're invading my space i'm gonna kill you and that's what they try to do um you know but if they're up in the water column that's when they you know that's when i'll really if i see that i'm like okay i need to be throwing top water they're you know they're all up they're coming up so and like you said earlier they will absolutely annihilate it blow it out of the water you know feet in the air it's it's insane it's a it's an aerobatic show to be sure (laughs) Dude, I had one knock a, a 110, like two feet in the air, and then come back for it this year. It was kind of insane. Until but, you, till that happens, and oh my gosh, you know, that gets your heart pumping. And I got to really try and calm down after I see that because, you know, it makes me just want to, you know, go about 100 million miles per hour because uh, trying to replicate that sometimes gets you really going, man. That's, man, that's the deal, though, especially in the river. Like you'll see me in the summertime. You know, it's funny, like, if people will say, like, hey, let's go fishing together. And I'm like, okay, great. I'm all for fishing with people. And then, you know, go out there and go fishing. I'll look and I'm like, where are, where, where did they go? <laughs> because in the summertime, I'm covering water, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm 100 miles an hour, just, you know, boom, 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 boom. You know, and they're just like kind of ha- trying to have a leisure, leisurely day of fishing. And I'm like, no, dude, like, we're going to catch. <laughs> you gotta catch a big smallmouth, like you know. I just I cover a ton of water in the summertime just with that top water bait, you know, trying to search for them big fish. And dude, I, did you do you watch any of my YouTube videos? Um, pretty much all of them. <laughs> okay, so the one of the Save JT, I think it might have been the the volume three, but it was a two part video. Um, I think I started out that day throwing a crankbait. And then at the end of the day, dude, I got on a topwater frenzy. Like they were, I had fish that were just wolf packing this bait all the way back to the side of the boat. There was one point I had the bait just sitting on the water, like it, like off the edge of my boat on near the edge of the water. 
and this fish came up and just tried to get it. And I'm like, oh god, and it scared the <laughs> shit out of me. And I was like, what the heck? So I was like, man. So then I just I watched it, and you could watch it happen as you're pulling the bait down. You know, like you see him just coming up, and you see your bait just moving. You're like, the currents, the currents not doing that. The bait, it's not the current isn't moving the bait up out of the water. Like that's those fish coming up fighting for it, knocking it out of the water. Right. And that happened for like. It was like 20 minutes that it, it was going on like that. It just over and over and over and over and over. Um, and I think that in that 20 minute time frame, I probably caught like anywhere from 10 to 15 fish. And I think five of them were over like 18. Like I didn't, I didn't even measure most of them. You know what I mean? But you know, when you pick up, a, you pick up these small mouths after you grab so many and hold so many, you're like, yeah, that's a, you know, that's a quality fish. That's an 18. And that's what I consider a quality fish in this river. Anything over 18 is a quality fish. Right. You know, and, and it was, they were, they were, they were like that. And it was, I think it was like five. I'd have to look at the video, but it, there was at least five of them that were over 18 in that short period. I do remember, you know, seeing that I, you know, wouldn't be able to pick out which episode it was, but I remember seeing that. And yeah, it was, I, that was a fun day. <laughs> Like that was I've a, had similar experiences. I, you know, I, I fish sometimes, uh, depending on what I'm, you know, if I'm fun fishing or, you know, trying to be a little more serious, if I just want to catch fish, sometimes I'll throw like a little, uh, a rooster tail or something like that. Cause mm -hmm. sometimes I slam on them. And I, one time I had, I think I was fishing a popper or something out in front of me, but I had one of my other rods laying down on my kayak with the rooster tail, probably about like three inches out of the water. And I almost lost that rod because a smallie came up, jumped, <laughs> out of the water grabbed that rooster tail and took it down and my rod starts going off the side of my kayak i'm like ah it probably looked like a bug to them yeah uh, you know it, it looked like a bug so they were coming up for it i was like holy cow but you know yeah that's the kind of thing that it's just you see it so many times and you experience it and it, it just lets you know that it's a special kind of place so a lot of people sleep on that rooster tail man a lot of people they're like that's that's a whenever they won't eat anything Mm -hmm. I feel like when they won't eat anything, they'll eat a rooster tail. Yeah, no. And that I, I forget who first told me about it, but I, I, I was having like an awful day, you know, I couldn't catch anything. And I just happened to pass a guy and he's like, Oh man, I just caught like 20. And I'm like, what the heck are you throwing? And he showed me. And I was like, that's what you're throwing. Just that little rooster tail. He's like, sure. <laughs> and he, I think he actually gave me one and I was like, Oh man. And then from there on out that that was interesting and i've caught like catfish on that thing you know in the river a million yeah. things will eat a rooster tail so. <clears throat> they just it looks like a small bait fish and you know when you go out in the susquehanna especially if you're out there a lot and you see like some of our bait fish most of our bait fish are only like that big you know they that they don't really make it they don't get big because they get eaten first <laughs> you know what it means <laughs> so like they you know those bait fish are small. If you go get something like a bait fish profile like that and, and you're throwing that around, man, like they'll, you know, they, they will eat it, you know, and that's a trout bait. I mean, that's a trout bait. Let's be honest. Right. Like that's what trout fishermen throw, but you know, that's, that's what, I, you it. know, you talk to some of the old timers around me and they're like, Oh, all you need is a, a jig head uh, uh, with a curly tail grub on it. That's all you need <laughs> to fish on the river. Yeah. And, you know, they're right. You can catch a million fish on a curly tail grub. You know, maybe not the biggest fish. It's but not all fun. Looking... Like, it's not a fun <laughs> way to fish. <laughs> no, no, for sure. And, but... and I, you know, that's actually one of my earliest memories of fishing on the river 
uh, my father-in-law had a bass boat and that's what we would do. We would just go out and troll like the, as low as you could get the trolling motor on um, troll curly tailed grubs on a jig head, you know, and just pick them off left and right one after the yeah. other. The Juniata river is good for that. If like, if you want to go out and, and catch fish on, on a curly tail grub, like the, I feel like everything in the Juniata river looks like a curly tail grub. Because <laughs> they, you'll catch everything. I mean, from a, an eight inch smallmouth to a 22 inch smallmouth. That's what like the Juniata is just, you know, it's full of fish that will eat a curly tail grub. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, we, we probably make it more difficult than we have to in the river, but um, you know, it's, it's fun when you catch them on a big bait. Oh yeah. Like when you catch them on like a big swim bait, another one is the mag draft that I really like a six inch mag draft. Oh, I've heard God. you talk about that in your videos and I've never thrown one, but I, I started looking at them and I was like, man, I might have to try that. So. Dude, the way they eat a six inch mag draft, like you, you, you know, it's a long slender bait, you know what I mean? But you, you'll catch them on it and, and they swallow it. Like they, they inhale it. And you're like, like, where are you, where are you going to put this? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, but it's wild, man. The way they eat, the way they eat a big bait here is just insane. Um, did you see that walleye I caught on top water? Yes. That was on a Whopper Flopper 110. Yep. So. <laughs> walleyes, walleyes are another fun thing about the Susquehanna. I, you know, the first time I caught one, I was like, this is the stupidest looking trout I ever saw. Or uh, <laughs> bass, rather. And I, and I posted pictures on Facebook like a dummy. And somebody's like, uh, that's not a bass. I'm like, oh, oh okay. That makes when, a lot of sense. When, when I caught that, when I caught that small, or when I, yeah, when I caught that small one. When I caught that walleye on the Whopper Whopper, I thought for sure at that minute I had won the tournament. <laughs> that fish, and one, it was a giant. It was it was at least twenty eight inches long because it hung over the side, like it hung over two inches over the side of my catchboard. <laughs> so it was at least twenty eight inches long. I mean, give or take a you know a quarter inch, whatever. But it was a big, grown, adult walleye, and it hit on top water. And as soon as it hit, like, I knew it was a big fish. You know, I was like, man, I was like, this is, this is big. And then it, and then it was digging and it wouldn't come up. It just kept digging and digging and digging. And I think I was in like six feet of water, but I couldn't see it for the longest time. And then finally it come up and I'm like, oh, that's not a small mouth. <laughs> What's a walleye doing hitting top water in the middle of the day? Because like somebody figure out that i don't know but well, i've had that with catfish too like catfish will hit a crankbait and i'll think oh my gosh i got a huge bass yeah. and then it'll just keep digging like you say and then i'm like uh, i bet you it's a catfish and then sure yeah. enough you know you get it up and your line's all slimy and snotty and you're like yep i normally get pissed off whenever i catch a catfish because it normally means that i that i've just ruined an eight plus dollar spinnerbait or you know, I've had I've had flatheads bend out the hooks on jackhammers. Yeah, I was um, gonna say I've had flatheads ruin my you know the treble hooks on a crankbait a million times. I'm like ah, yeah. Flat flatheads for me, flatheads don't get put back in the river. <laughs> um, they normally take a boat ride with me, and yeah, flatheads don't make it back. But you know, it, it it's it's a fun fishery, man. The the, the Susquehanna is. You know, it's a special place, you know. What's your thoughts on grass? When I first started fishing the river, I 
I steered clear of it. And only because I got so frustrated with the baits that I was throwing, having to clean them off constantly. But the more I have learned, the more I, you know, target grass and that like the lipless this year in the grass, you know, as much as it is sometimes, you know, it's a pain to be constantly cleaning off the grass. Um, that's where they are. And I, that, I, I think I had some of my best success this uh, fall fishing the grass flats with, with the lipless. So for me, um, the grass is, is good. You, if you go, if you ever come up on a patch of grass, don't cast just, just a couple times. Don't cast, just cruise around it and look and see what's in that grass. All the bait fish are in that grass, right? Yes. There's so many bait fish in that grass. And especially like, it, you know, in the Juniata, which is normally packed full of grass on the low end, and, you know, anywhere down river that has that long stringy, you know, eelgrass type stuff. Um, if you find a patch of it, get yourself a, a Texas rig fluke, five inch fluke or a caffeine shad, a strike king caffeine shad, Texas rig it, bury that hook in there and just work it slow through that grass. And it's going to be fun. It's going to change your life. That was uh, one of the, I, I remember talking to George at Susquehanna Fishing Tackle and, and commenting how frustrated I was fishing the grass. And and um, he let me in on that little secret. He said, a fluke, you know, yeah. you know, you, you know, a fluke is going to get you through that, you know, and yep. sure enough, he was right. So 100%, man, that fluke in, in the grass, anytime where, you know, when there's, when there's grass and, and especially that stringy shit that's so, man, it, it'll just... It's so fragile. It breaks off so easy. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like any hook, I don't care what exposed hook it is. Any exposed hook will get caught on that eelgrass and you'll pull back like four pounds of it. And, you know, that's why that, that caffeine shad or the, the fluke, you know, obviously the, the zoom makes probably the most well-known fluke, but I feel like the caffeine shad is you know i know it's a slightly bigger profile but i think it has a little bit better darting action um so that's you know those two are the ones that i that i'll normally throw um but there's some local guys that make some nice flukes too um undercover baits who's a local guy he's out near um oh, chambersburg um okay. and then snaggler tackle company makes a nice fluke um, but you know, any, any jointed, you know, slim bait like that, Texas rigged is going to work really well through that kind of stuff. Right. So, but that's, you know, if I'm fishing around grass, that's what normally what I'm going to throw. Cool. Are there times where you seek out the, uh, the, the heavy current? I know we talk a lot about eddies sure. and, you know, uh, you know, the tails or bottoms of eddies and stuff like that, you know. I know, especially right now, you're you're looking for those calmer pockets, you know. Right. But uh, are there times where I know they say, you know, if you can fish the rising river, you know, and the Susquehanna can get crazy. There's definitely times where it's downright you know, <laughs> insane to go out there. Yeah, right? it's it's borderline unsafe most of the time. Um, so mid June through probably like the beginning of, of October. I really don't leave the fast water okay? Um, because those fish, 
the active fish, the eating fish are out there. That's where they're at because the water temperature is high. So meaning that, you know, high in temperature, it's, it's warm. Um, that, that faster water has more oxygen in it and it's cooler because it's moving. And uh, most of the time they'll be out there until you get like the bluebird sunny sky, like the brightest day in July that you can find, you'll find them where they're cycling between that fast water and the, the shade. The shade is another, another place, but in the summertime, I'm fishing basically two areas. I'm either fishing in fast water or I'm fishing the shade. And it really, you know, just kind of depends on the ambient conditions outside. If it's really, really super bright and sunny, and especially if it's a clear river, if it's a clear river, meaning that there's hardly any stain to it, I will be fishing shade. Because if it's clear, those fish are so susceptible to birds, the birds will come down and eat a lot of them. So they, you know, they'll tend to go to the shade where they can blend in and hide better because they can't hide, not to a bird. And they can't, right. you know, if you ever take a drone up and you put a drone up in some shallow water in the summertime when it's clean and clear, you're going to be like, holy shit, there's a <laughs> smallmouth in this river. But well, I don't know how many times I've watched eagles just having a field day, just b- dive bombing left and right. Yeah. And- like, I'm like, hey, save some for me, man. <laughs> it's it's insane, but yeah, that summertime, man, that fast water is hard to beat, dude. Like, I mean, I, I've caught 20 inch fish in less than six inches of water. You know, you find you find a nice little set of rapids, especially if the rapids have, if there's a an area close that has shade or has some deeper boulder rock, mm-hmm. um, you know. If, you find the normally you'll find the fish on the front side of whatever's causing the rapids. The the more active fish will be up there eating. Um, but you know, nor, the whole whole entire rapids will be good. And you know, that's why it's so it's so much fun to to throw a top water through there because you can just let the rapids push the top water wherever you want it to go and you're just reeling it back to you. But, dude, they, they smash it. You know, pay attention to the front side of whatever's causing the water disturbance. Those fish will normally be, you know, like it'll be flat and then it'll start coming up, which is where the, the disturbance starts. They'll be right in that little, uh, you know, area right before it, where it turns up. That's kind of where they sit because it's, you know, it's, it's actually a, they're not using as much energy as if they were behind the rock or, you know, because behind the rock, the water's turbulent, moving all around, and they can get up there in front and, and really just get pick of whatever comes by first. Yep, yep, and that's that's actually where I I first started with the Ned Rig is is chucking it right up in that you know because it will actually stay there. Mm-hmm. It's one of the few places you can chuck a Ned Rig that won't just immediately get yeah. taken down the current. You know, it'll just hang out there, and and nine times out of ten, there's a fish sitting there. You know, I, yep. My biggest fish, my biggest smallmouth of the year came like that. And it was on a shallow diving crankbait, but it was on the front side of a of a of a small little section of rapids where it was a decent sized boulder up front. Mm-hmm. And he was just hanging out there and smashed it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, fast waters, man, it it's the deal that in shade. A lot of people uh overlook shade, but shade if you can find shade on this river in the summertime, you're normally going to find fish. 
So, all right, man. Well, dude, we're getting close to an hour. So I, that was a ton of good good information. Time goes fast when we're having fun, man. So yeah, yeah, we can sit here and talk about fishing for another hour. So, (laughs) well, dude, um, thank you again for coming on. Um, where can the folks find you? I know, you know, I'm definitely familiar with your YouTube channel, but you know, where else, uh, you know, where where can they find you on YouTube and uh, what other social media do you frequent? So primarily, like I, I don't do a whole lot on Facebook. I try to, I don't know, everything I do is really from the Instagram platform and the YouTube YouTube platform. But um, YouTube is just if you search Jake Harshman, you search my name, you, you'll I'll come up. Um, and then on the Instagram, it's uh, pa dot kayak bassin, b a s s i n. I'll definitely, after the show, I'll get you to shoot me some links to these and I'll include them in the show notes for those folks who are listening. Don't feel like writing it down or anything. Um, Appreciate it. Yeah. And um, how about sponsors? Uh, Anybody you want to shout out? Uh, So, yeah, the first, uh, the biggest one, and and they've been with me and stuck with me for a a while now is Torquedo. Um, You know, they they make a fantastic motor, incredibly durable. Um, You know, it's top end of the price range for a reason. Um, but the other I've one, seen that, some of your innovative sportsman videos too, where you're yeah, checking so, out their stuff. <laughs> that's why I was just getting ready to talk about Trey. Trey Leach is more than just Torquedo accessories. Like if you have an idea and you want it to become real, take it to Trey, because if you don't have the mechanical ingenuity to do it, or if you don't have the tools to do it, he does. And, he, I don't think there's anybody more creative than that man. Like he can do whatever you want him to do. You give him a plan. Like I, I'll go down there with a graphic and be like, here, I need this. And next thing you know, he, he produces something that's awesome. So, you know, he's, he's kind of like my right hand man. Anytime I need something, that's my guy at innovative sportsman. Um, and then uh, <clears throat> Temple Fork Outfitters, who is my rod sponsorship. I actually just, upgraded that this year to an, an ambassador level uh, ambassador level past pro staff um i've been using their rods now for a few years and like the, the price point for what you get i mean the quality is fantastic real good sensitivity and you know uh, just a really durable rod which we need in this river oh yeah um and one of the biggest ones in in you know, one of the ones that I promote the most because they're so daggone good to me is uh, the dugout bait and tackle in Marietta, Georgia. Um, you know, they're geographically, they're not close to me, but anytime I need anything, that's who has it and who will get it to me. Like they ship quicker than on Amazon most times. So <laughs> we have uh, a few of our uh, uh, co-hosts on this uh, podcast that are, uh, team members with dugout. So uh, yeah. you're definitely familiar with them here on Paddle. And Jamie Coza is, is one of the biggest proponents for the kayak industry than of, of anybody, you know, you could argue fish USA and fishing online, but you know what the dugouts doing right now for kayak stuff is, you know, they, they've developed their own online series, you know, and they, they've assembled probably, I don't know how I got there, but they've assembled one of the best, absolute best teams in, in all of kayak fishing. <laughs> so it's definitely know. a who's who I've, I've seen that list quite a few times. And it's Oh, that list wild. is, it's daunting, especially whenever, <laughs> you know, whenever you get offered to come on it, you're like, Oh, how do I fit? Like, <laughs> where do I, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But you know, 
they're they're good people, man. And and that's that's basically the people that the you know the biggest ones that support me and um you know Dakota Lithium and and uh Wildwear out or Wildwear America or is a clothing apparel. Uh, they they help me out quite a bit too. So, but that's it. Cool, man. Well, uh, thanks again for coming on, Jake. I appreciate it. Uh, um, definitely look forward to having you on again sometime. Just you know, whenever you want to come on, and you know, you have a new uh, something you figured out. Definitely be interested in picking okay. your brain. And, and let's uh, let's get together and go fishing, man. That I, I was going to say that too, man. Yeah, We're so close. You know, most of the people I talk to are half a country, country away. Right? <laughs> I'm like, I, I can't go down to Alabama. What are you talking about? Yeah, but, we, uh, we I can, can definitely make, make it to Harrisburg. Yeah. Well. <laughs> How about we go to that special lake? Oh, oh, yeah. That where you helped me uh, yeah. win that uh, tournament on. That was nice. Yeah. Let's go to that special lake one time this spring and uh, see if we can't get on some some giants. That sounds like a plan to me, man. They, Pennsylvania that was, giants. That was a pretty cool place. But so. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, man. It's an honor to come on and talk to you guys anytime uh, I get to um, – you know, especially considering the fact that I haven't been fishing much. So, you know, most of my content lately has been promotional and it's very little fishing, unfortunately, with, you know, but. Well, that's um, kind of why I started doing this was to make it through the the slow time. <laughs> I'm like, I got to do something all or all winter long or I'm going to go crazy. You know, I'm not that right. good of a cold water fisherman, so I got to do something to scratch my itch, you know, and not go crazy. So I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no problem, bud. So, all right, guys. Well, this has been uh, another episode of the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment on the Paddle and Pin Podcast, where we bring you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Fin. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Fin on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button, and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com.